All right, here we go. Uh, welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. Uh, my name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside. And Andy Bryant is here today, a podiatrist, uh, and he's got his foot models. <laughs> so this is exciting. This is uh, our first podcast with someone who has foot models. Andy, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Ginny. So we connected on Instagram and uh, I've just been so inspired by the things that you post and they're so informative and people ask so many questions about feet and kids shoes and all that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your work day today to join in and and help parents to learn. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about you, about your background? Yeah, so I'm a podiatrist here in Melbourne, Australia. And podiatrists here are a little different to the podiatrists in the States. We're more like a physical therapist training-wise. So we don't, we're not medical doctors first and foremost, like the podiatrists in the States. But, uh, so we don't do much surgery. But um, otherwise, podiatrists are like looking after people's toenails and corns and, and things like that, but also looking into the biomechanics of the foot, like orthotics and shoes and things like this. So I was just like a regular podiatrist for 15 years and then um, through my own um, experience of yoga mostly my feet started getting stronger and then I was like looking into barefoot running and looking into minimal shoes and it just um, aligned more with the way I um, lived than um, making orthotics for people and putting them in conventional shoes and so it's just been a bit of a, a progression from there first my own journey and then into my profession yeah yeah. So, and I work on my own. I, I used to have a big practice, but I sold out of that to just do this on my own. And um, I don't have reception staff or anything. I just do it all on my own. It's just a tiny little practice that's yeah. very busy. Yeah. There you go. I can, I, well, I can imagine. I, I'm actually surprised to hear that because um, you have so much information out there. So, you know, to hear that you're doing it on your own is, is very impressive. Um, and it's called natural podiatry. That's, that's what I brand. Yeah. Um, my business is called Melbourne Natural Podiatry, but um, what the my style of podiatry I call natural podiatry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think there's so much focus on shoes. You know, once kids start to walk, and I was exposed <clears throat> to the barefoot idea from this book, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's by Angela Hanscom, and she is, uh, she was an occupational like a pediatric occupational therapist. She still is, um, in dealing with kids and and sort of their decline in skills. And so she she talked about being barefoot and how it yeah. strengthens the arches and, and that type of thing. So um, so you say that our foot is the ultimate technology. So can yeah. you can you kind of describe what you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. When our, like, uh, when, when our foot lands on the ground, it is what's called a mobile adapter. So it um, shock absorbs and pronation. Like a lot of people have big issues with the pronation I overpronate I'm a pronator well hopefully because if you it's like saying I can nod my head it's a movement and a natural movement of the foot and so when our foot hits the ground it needs to pronate to shock absorb and this ties in with a whole lot of stuff going in the rest of the body and and so it, the foot's mobile and floppy when it lands and then when we load the forefoot it becomes stiff and and becomes a rigid lever and so it goes from doing one thing to doing another thing all within like a split second. Wow. And so this is why it's a, a an amazing feat of human technology um, because it, it does it so well. And generally when you add something to that, 
it ruins it, you know. Like when you add a, a, steel, a stiff shoe, then it doesn't. It's not so mobile when it lands. Mm. When you add cushioning, then um, you don't have to do the shock absorbing yourself, and that means you miss out on some other things that that ties in with. When you add a, a pointy toe or toe spring, the bit where the shoe sticks up like this, then you can't be that rigid lever because the shoe's kind of doing it for you. Right. And so um, that's what I mean by that. And, and I think a, a good point would be, and you might be going to ask me about this anyway, but I'll just talk because that's what I do, um, <laughs> would be that, you know, when little kids are first walking, here in Australia we have what's called a maternal child healthcare nurse and they'll tell mums and dads to um, put their child in a wide, thin, flat and flexible shoe, a shoe that allows the foot to be, to develop. Uh, and so they say that's best for balance, for strength, for proprioception, for um, for the muscles and the bones of the foot to develop. But then once the kid turns three, we start putting him in, in a supportive shoe with cushioning and all these other things. And really that shoe I think should never change. We should always be in a wide, thin, flat, flexible shoe and then we'll never have a problem with being in anything but that shoe. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, here in the States, I don't think they give much direction at all. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. I think that it's just kind of what looks cute. Um, yeah. Or there is an emphasis on on that support, I think, from, from a very early age. So, you know, you're not yeah. hearing about the flat, flexible, um, that type of thing. And so, yeah. uh, so what I had read was um, in Australia, too, and I think here is – you know, sometimes they're putting kids in heels, you know, for yeah. like a, a school uniform. So what does something like a heel um, for a child or an adult, like what does that do to affect yeah. the foot? Well, there's just no, there, there may be like 0.1% of people that have what's called an ankle equinus, which is a tightness, not even a tightness, like a structural block that might mean they need a heel. I would even argue that they can work out a way to function. Our body's amazing at working out a way to function. Um, without help but for everyone else um, we're designed to stand on a flat foot on a foot that's flat to the ground without a heel and when we stand on that foot that's flat to the ground our head is above our ankles as soon as we put a heel on it, you're basically standing on a hill and mm. then your head if you stand if you stood in the same way your head would be out over your toes and you'd fall over but if we don't fall over when we're on a heel we restack our skeleton. Um, in a way that's not the way it's designed to be stacked. And so our head is still a, a, over our heels or our ankles. And so um, and there's an extra load on our forefoot, a different load on our knees, our hips. Um, and I think the heeled shoe, the, the, the reasoning behind heeled shoes was because it's not dissimilar to some Asian countries that were still foot binding until recently, um, it, the higher the heel, the more affluent you are, and the lower the heel or the flatter the shoe, the more the lower you are on that socioeconomic scale. And so high heels give us this feeling of affluence. I and mean, we still see it in our um, politicians and movie stars that they wear a high heel. And that's not just women, it's men as well, but mostly women. And, and so um, the history of the heel comes from that um, cultural significance to their affluence but there is no physiological reason that you need to wear a heel. And if anything, it's de I think it's detrimental to yeah. physiological function because it takes, takes us away from natural. I think right. even more of an epidemic 
is that the running shoe population now wears a heel because in the 60s and 70s, 1960s, 70s, there's a big running boom, a whole lot of sedentary workers that were in heeled shoes and sitting all day became runners. They had very poor technique. And the running shoe of the day was like a a plimsoll, like a a thin-soled, flexible shoe. And so they, they were unskilled runners and they were getting injured in this because they were used to wearing a heel to, the, to work all day and then trying to run in this shoe without a heel. Oh. And so the running shoe companies started putting heels in running shoes to accommodate poor runners or accommodate people that wore heels all day. And like you said, with school shoes, like we're putting kids in a heel from when they're five basically um, mm-hmm. and making them sit down from when they're five as well for hours a day. And so, yeah, the running shoe epidemic is that then everyone is wearing a running shoe, whether they're running or walking or just going down to the shops, you know, <laughs> they're wearing a running shoe or if they might be doing the gym in the running shoe as well. They're just using it for everything. Kids are wearing it all the time. And it was never designed for that and it probably should never have been designed. We should have been teaching people to run properly or not sit as much or wear a flat shoe to the office. So as a, so as a podiatrist, yeah. what types of things do you see um, that are a, a result of wearing, you know, shoes that have the really pointy toes or shoes that have these heels. What yeah. kind of things do you see? Yeah, heels. So, so we see bunions, which is where the big toe, get the model out again, where the big toe is moving in this direction. Like if you look at your children's feet, they're widest from the tips of the toes, the big toe to the little toe. Nearly every shoe, conventional shoe, is widest back here. The measuring system is a measuring system for width here. And the width that matters is here. And so we should be having this beautiful splay. All your forefoot pathologies, bursas, neuromas, bunions, corns, um, ingrown toenails, anything that happens in this area, I could attribute like 99% of them to a shoe that squishes our toes because that's what everyone is wearing. I happily say I'd be out of, I think I'd be out of a job if we just wore shoes that didn't affect our feet so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some Asian countries where they are habitually barefoot at home, so they don't wear shoes inside, which for some people that's normal and for others it's like, well, why don't you wear shoes inside? Um, there are hardly any podiatrists because these people are sitting on the floor and so their hips are mobile which and, our, and good hips and relate well to good feet and they're not wearing shoes much, so they're less likely to have the, the issues that's well that's fascinating yeah it could it shouldn't come as a surprise that our body's a product of the environment we put it in i mean that's what yeah. that's what you preach and and yeah um and live live by mm-hmm. and just like putting kids outside um when we put that that changes their behavior their their physical physicality their mental state so many things it's the same when we put our feet in shoes our feet react to that environment and yeah. if it's a stiff shoe, our foot's going to become stiff. If it's a heeled, a heeled shoe, our calves will get tight. If it's a pointy shoe, we're going to have issues at the forefoot. So, yeah. you know, it's just one plus one equals two pretty much. Right. Well, so I met this um, grandfather, uh, just a happenstance at a campground a couple years ago, you know, and he had to have been in his 80s. Um, and he said, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, which I'm not sure when that would have been, but, you know, decades yeah. ago when I was a kid I got everyone got off the school bus at the end of the year took their shoes off ran home and didn't put on yeah. another pair of shoes until the fall until school started again and yeah. so um things have really changed from that I think uh 
you know, yeah. there's a lot of fear around being barefoot, you know, if they step on something or um, just in general, I think there's just uh, information out there uh, or maybe not the information out there that people need. So what would you say to parents or grandparents? You know, yeah. um, I think kids are, are drawn to being barefoot. Yeah, they, they are. Like you see little kids, um, really little ones, wanting to get those shoes off. You know, they don't want the shoe on their foot. And you put a kid um, who's only ever been in a minimalist shoe because that's what's often recommended into a, a thick cushioned shoe for the first time. It's like putting a shoe on a dog. It just looks weird. The kid can hardly walk. Like they're all over the place. Right, right. Because, um, because our, the sole of our foot is so um, rich with um, sensation to give us a feeling of where we are in space. My client just now, he he's, um, was a 17-year-old that's deaf and um, and so he has balance issues, and where where and he's been in a big orthotic and big shoes for years, and and we're just slowly reducing that and getting him out of that because to let his feet get this sensation into the sole, well, it's like, well, he walked barefoot down my hallway, and and this building is very old, and there's a slope. No one notices the slope, but this kid, he noticed the slope. He's like, oh, this is sloping this way. It's like because he lost the sense of, of this, his other senses are heightened. Yeah. I told him it's like having a superpower because mm-hmm. his feet are so sensation, sense, um, are so full of sensation, and his body knows that he can't hear so well, and it's used, trying to use all those other sensations even more. So when we when we take our shoes off, we're just unlocking that potential that our body has. Yeah. As for the danger of taking your shoes off. It makes you more aware of where you are and your environment. Mm. As soon as you take your shoes off, you walk, and you're not going to put your foot on a piece of dog poo because you're looking at where you're walking, you know. Um, it would be highly rare and unlikely for you to do an injury and uh, or, or get a cut or a wound from being barefoot, especially if you become habitually barefoot because your foot gets stronger and your skin gets stronger as well. Obviously, with kids with very soft skin, um, I think it's probably, you know, just do it at home and on, on nice grass and better manicured areas or the beach, places like this, mm-hmm. maybe not up and down the street, but, it, but just exposing them to as many stimuluses through the foot as possible is just um, has so many benefits yeah. that they far outweigh that minor risk that you might cut your foot. You know right. what I mean? It's like such a minor risk. Well, that's, I think what the key was is that you said they're more aware and that's the piece that I'd never thought of. You know, they are, kids yeah. don't want to get hurt and they're, they are naturally careful um, and, yeah. and their bodies adapt. It's, it's almost like the whole risky play thing, you know, where they say, you know, if you, if you allow your children to experiment with their bodies and, and to do these movements, then in the long run, they're safer um, because yeah. they know their bodies. And so it's, that's fascinating. It's the same thing then with their feet. You know, they've learned yeah. how to use their feet and, and what to look out for. And you even say 70% of the information regarding our bipedal movement comes from our feet. So we're getting a lot of, a lot of feedback from our feet, but maybe not quite so much if they're in a thick shoe. Yeah, not only um, from the skin with all those 200,000 um, nerve endings there, but uh, the joints within our foot are giving, have got nerves within them that give us a sense to where we are in space. And so if you stop those joints working, then you're not, or put a big orthotic or a stiff shoe under them, then you're not getting that sense, you know, like it's kind of putting a muffler on it. The 
the analogy is, I really like this one. It's like if you're going out in the sun, do you put blindfold on or do you put sunglasses on? A big shoe is like putting a blindfold on. And, and minimalist shoe or some protect, something that just protects you against hot ground, cold ground and sharp things is um, that happy medium where your foot's still got some protection but it's still feeling the ground, still moving. And a great um, yeah. example of that is hiking. And if you think of a traditional hiking boot, it is stiff as a board, it's healed, it's got a big ankle support, it's got a, a sharp edge that means if you hit that tree root, um, or that rock, you're going to roll your ankle. That's why they have to have ankle support. Our ankle's made and our foot is made to accommodate the ground. It's that mobile adapter when it lands, like I was explaining before. It's uncut. All those bones and joints are unlocked as our foot hits the ground so that it can accommodate whatever that ground is going to give us, you know. Um, and when we feel that, our body can adjust. So when you go hiking either barefoot or in a minimalist shoe, a shoe that allows you to feel like you're barefoot but still gives you some protection from sharp things, um, you'll slow down initially, which is not a bad thing when you're out in nature to slow down and just become aware of your surroundings. Suddenly you'll notice that this ground's a bit more slippery and there's more tree roots here or there's, you know, like you become a lot more aware initially. And so, again, the experience is heightened because you're actually using your body in that space. And, and so I, I find it, it's actually um, counterintuitive to wear a traditional hiking boot when you're going, um, when it's, it's, like wearing, it's, it's like going for a swim um, with, and not wanting to get wet, you know. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense to put something between you and the environment that you're wanting to spend time in. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh Never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. 
It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is fascinating information. And, the, you know, the other thing, you just post so many interesting things. Uh, but one <laughs> thing I saw recently was about cartilage versus bone. I mean, you had a picture of the feet of, you know, an infant, a 10 month old, oh, yeah. you know, versus the yeah. foot of, um, you know, an adult. And so yeah. so how can you tell us about how that cartilage turns into bone and how do kids feet grow over time? Yeah, so um, that was an image from someone in Finland, another physiotherapist in Finland. She'd taken x-ray of her own child's foot at 10 months of age, and I think there's six bones, whereas by the time we're 20 years of age, there's 26 bones. Wow. And, you know, um, we have parents coming in and telling it, worrying if their children's feet are flat. I'd, I'd be worried if your, feet, if your children's feet aren't flat when they're young because um, when we're just talking about a, a very malleable, very flexible piece of meat that's got soft bones in it, you know, and um, and when they start walking, their foot is very flat and really um, their hips are really controlling the shape of the foot. And so what we see is the foot is flat to start with and then as the hips start externally rotating, the arches come up and the shape of the foot doesn't really matter. It's all about how well it functions. And so some of the, the, the most functional humans ever have very flat feet. Some of them have really high arches. It doesn't. The shape of the foot doesn't. It, it doesn't predict. Doesn't um, predict injury, mm. and doesn't predict function either. It's more about. So, so therefore, if we take that as like everyone ex- agrees and accepts in that, so then why would we try and change anyone? Why wouldn't we just let them adapt and function the way that they're designed to function? And so, um, but back to the answer to your questions, it's just. It, the foot is not alone in this. Like the wrist would be the same um, and some, the, all the bones in the body, you know, we know in the skull of the baby those bones haven't formed. And so just as the, the muscles start working and they start loading, then the bones start forming. Uh, do you think that um, this, this extra cartilage, does that protect them from injury? Well, I just don't think they need a bony structure because they're not weight-bearing yet. And so it probably does protect them from injury and gives them ability. Like if you look at a child squatting, um, there's obviously like their, their muscular, their joints are a lot looser, their bones haven't formed as much. It's a beautiful thing to watch a child squat. The problem is we don't keep doing it. But in some cultures they do, and you walk down the street and there are 80-year-old men and women squatting on the side of the road like our two-year-old squats, you know. Um, and so uh, I think yeah. it might protect them from injury. I think it protects us all from injury if we kept living that way. Like I think our bodies are, you know, if we expose them to, yeah. uh, I say it over and over again, um, rich and variable movement. Like we see so many kids doing one sport over and over again. Like they're really good at basketball. By the time they're seven, they're going to be the next world beater. But um, and they're just playing basketball. I'd rather see if you're going to have an active kid, have them playing as much as possible, like unstructured play, climbing, where their bodies are asked to do all that their bodies can do, rather than one specific exercise. And um, I think that's what bulletproofs you against injury when you're when you're just being a human. Yeah, I was just talking about this with some of my mom friends today because we were talking about how 
you know, in, in the culture sports today, it's like, you really yeah. can only do one thing because yeah. T-ball, you know, is four days a week, yeah. you know, there, it, it takes so much time that there's not these opportunities for kids to try different types of things. And, um, and this is detrimental to more than their physical health. Like I know I was a runner, like from when I was 14, I only ran and I was really good at it. So then it's like Andy the runner. And then one day when you can't run anymore, you're like, well, who am I if I'm not Andy the runner because I can't run anymore? And you have to work out your whole, you know, so like to to um, isolate what a child is good at or likes at such a young age, it's just crazy, you know, unbelievably crazy to do that. I know with my kids, they're 12 and 14, and my 14-year-old daughter, she horse rides, she comes to yoga with me, she goes for a run, she walks our dogs, she um, plays soccer, not all at the same time. We generally don't have them do a lot of, like they're allowed one to two activities per season, and she just chops and changes because she likes to try different things. She's tried gymnastics, dancing. Like this is building a well-rounded body and well-rounded person, you know, like um, because the truth is, that yeah. there's such a small percentage of people that are actually going to be making a living out of a sport. And so wouldn't it be better if play golf and then play tennis and go for a hike and enjoy them all because you'd had some background in all these different skills or, you know, do you see my point? Like I think mm-hmm. um, we're so good at spe- getting our kids to be specialists and world beaters when they're 10 and it just ends up being dried up 18-year-olds that don't want to get off the couch, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, or or yeah, or their bodies don't function yeah. as optimally as if they would have had more of the variety. Yeah, that's right. Well, so you talked, you've said it a couple times about the shoe. Yeah. What are parents? What should parents be looking for? Flexible. There was four words you used. Yeah. So it's um, it's, it's wide thin. WTF. F. So it's not just WTF. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. It's easy to remember. So I've got a shoe here. Um, So it's got to be wide. And when I talk about wide, it's not that wide fitting. Like so many people are in their new balance. And they go, I've got my wide fitting new balance. That's wide here, not here. It's got to be wide here. So wide so that the toes can splay. Because, you know, if I wanted to strengthen my bicep, I'd have to be able to move my arm. If we want to strengthen the foot, we've got to be able to move it. And if the shoe's doing this, you can't move the foot. So it's got to be wide. We want it to be thin from here. So we want the sole to be thin so that you can feel things. This feeds it into what we're talking about, sensation and that. So you want it to be a thin sole so that you can feel things. Flat, flat from heel to toe. So from, from here to here, there is what's called zero drop. It doesn't have a heel on it. It's tipping me forward. We've already talked about that. And then the final one is flexible so that it's acting just as, so it's not having an impact on my foot. My foot has all these joints, like 33 joints. And when most shoes only flex across here. And so that means all these joints are kind of being held along for the ride. And um, if we have a shoe that's flexible, then our joints can move. They give us a sense of where we are in space. The muscles that cross those joints are being used and getting stronger. The soft tissues and ligaments are as well. So wide, thin, flat, and flexible. And that's the thing, to, you go into the shoe shop and if it's a mainstream shoe shop, there's not that shoe. They're not there. Um, yeah, they're hard to find. So, But there are 120 approximately barefoot shoe brands in the world. So they are out there, but you just got to know where to look. So um, for those in the States where you are, um, there's an Instagram and website called Anya's Reviews, A-N-Y-A-S Reviews. This um, lovely lady named Anya is like the barefoot queen. 
she's just someone that has found it helpful for her and then made it into her passion. She has an online store. There's discount codes. Like we all have different shaped feet. Like some people have a longer first toe, longer second toe. She's got that all listed, a wide, uh, wider foot, a shallow foot, a deep foot. And then she'll be like, okay, this is your foot type. This is all on her website. And here's your 10 brands that will fit you better, you know. So there are these resources out there and and, um, and it's growing, you know. It's more and more it's growing. But And then there are some stores physically. Like here in Melbourne, this is a, a Mount Melbourne's a town of 6 million people. There is one store that sells these shoes. <laughs> wow. This is an open market. People should be hopping into this. Yeah. Um, and so um, I don't know what it's like in the States in terms of stores. I do know of some stores that sell them. And then there's some um, practices like podiatry practices that sell them as well that are this way aligned. Um, so, but mostly it's online. There's a lot of stuff online that you just have to um, yeah. commit to. Yeah, that's that what process. I found. Yeah. A couple companies, a couple companies online. Like, well, yours was a Vivo, Vivo shoe that you were showing. So the big brands really are Vivo. Zero is another one. Um, Zero shoes. It's an American brand. Vivo is an ink. Got like worldwide dominance. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of brands. Yeah, and, they and, wear cool the, shoes. They're they're cool looking. Yeah, Vivo. But they're um, not cheap. No, Vivo are probably the, the most normal looking, but that's because they're actually quite a narrow barefoot shoe. And so that really suits someone that's got a narrow foot. But for people okay. with wider feet, they need to go into one of the wider brands, you know, and they're not cheap. This is a big thing. Um, Vivo have a program called Revivo or Revivo, and you can send your old ones back. They fix them up and sell them secondhand, which is pretty a pretty good deal. That's and you cool. get like a discount, you get a discount on your second pair. Um, they're not big. They're, they're not ex- cheap because they do small runs because there's not a lot of, and a lot of them have environmental and social um, yeah. consciences where they're not just building. There's not the big Nike factory in some far flung place. They're having people right. do it, and then and they're keeping an eye on this stuff. So um, yeah. that's where the cost comes in. Some people say they last longer. I did a post on how on when barefoot shoes run out because if you look at mainstream shoes. They'll tell you, um, say in a minimum, say in a normal running shoe, that you should only do 400 miles in it or something like that, and then you should throw it out. A minimalist shoe, the more you wear it, the more minimalist it gets, kind of the better it gets. <laughs> um, and my son wore his school shoes, and he's like, Dad, I think I've worn them out. And I look at the sole, and there's a hole in it. They became like the ultimate minimalist shoe. <laughs> and, and then when I put him in, yeah. when I got new ones, he's like, oh, these are a bit chunky, and they're still like really flexible, but he's so used to actually feeling the ground, you know? Yeah. And so, he didn't um, even know there was a hole do, in them. That's amazing. And, they, and you can hand them down. Like, you know, with other shoes, they say don't pass them down to other kids. Um, yeah. But with a shoe that's just protecting you, you can pass them on to your other children, you know. Like my son wears my daughter's old shoes um, all the time. You can, it's fine. You know, my, my son will end up wearing my old shoes probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and well, and you're saving money in the long run. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, on your health yeah. and well-being. And there are some cheaper brands. Yeah. Like you know what a water yeah. shoe is, a shoe that you wear like when you're waiting on, on some – um, in the water, they're mm-hmm. like a minimalist shoe, and you can get them for like yeah. twenty bucks from eBay, you know. And that's like a minimalist shoe in itself. Oh yeah. Um, and there's a brand called Splay S P L A Y, and that's quite in, they're far less yeah. expensive. And Splay. Yeah, and Paper Crane is an Australian brand mm-hmm. that I think are now in the states. They're a far less expensive yeah. brand. 
Yeah, so there's a lot of options. Yeah, they're very small, um, these brands, and so they're just probably making smaller margins because they've got a conscience. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, um, we've tried the splay shoes. They're, they're cute and they're fantastic. And, um, actually I feel like it's a really, uh, clever name splay because you've been talking about that. Yes, of course. Cause that's what that is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a clever name. If people have been in a, in a shoe that has, um, a heel or, you know, a lot of padding, is it an easy transition? Is it a hard transition? Uh, how it's, does that um, work? So the first thing I'll ask people is how much are they barefoot at home? And some people, especially over the last two years, have become habitually barefoot at home and that, without any problems. And so then it's going to be a lot easier. But some people on the other end of the scale get out of bed and put their shoes on as soon as they get out of bed. And that's probably going to be a bit more of an issue. And so it's really, you know, if you've been, like I wore Birkenstocks for years before I knew about all this. And I think they, they're what I call a transition shoe because they're flat and they're wide. And so, but they're still quite stiff and supportive. Um, so you can use shoes like that to help you get down into a minimalist shoe. But I guess um, we're talking yes to parents, but for children's sake, it's easy as pie. Like you said, children sort of intuitively, um, go barefoot and they haven't had years of stiff shoes and so it's still really easy to get them into their shoes especially if they're kind of athletic kids or um or even clumsy kids that are finding the weight of these shoes uh, of normal shoes like a, a bit of a tripping thing you know sometimes it can be tough because they look different compared to their friends but um you know my son used to play um, basketball in his minimalist shoes at, alongside all the people wearing all their wow. Nikes and stuff and he, he's quite a fast and agile kid but it you could hear the difference running up and down the court because there's one kid like light on his toes bouncing around and there's all these other kids That's like banging on the ground and if you think about the the basketball shoe in itself came about because we all they used to wear Chuck Taylors, you know, Converse cons. That's what the mm-hmm. pro le- the pro basketballers were wearing in the seventies. And then Nike came along with cushion and wanted to get into basketball, and so they put their cushioning under Michael Jordan's foot. And now all the basketball shoes are cushion shoes. But if you, even if you look at the early Jordans, they hardly have any cushioning. They're very they're more like a Chuck Taylor, you know, um, that Converse shoe. And so. Um, that's just been in the last 30 years or 40 years that, that we've seen that big change in basketball shoes as well. So there's some people um, that are making these shoes, basketball shoes, soccer shoes, um, like cleats, you know, cleats for football and things that are wide, mm-hmm. flexible. Um, they're starting to, those types of things are being produced now, really early days. But I think we're going to see a new era of injury prevention because, like, when you lock the foot up, what's the next thing to go, your ankle or your knee? And how many people are having knee injuries when they're playing those cleat sports? So if we get the foot moving, then suddenly our knee can move because the foot's moved rather than being locked into position. position. Mm. You can, you know, with your kids that um, stop suddenly because their cleat has gripped the ground because they haven't been able to move their foot because their foot is so constricted. Um, I think this is going to be a new wave. The disappointing thing is I think the big shoe companies know it, but we're still stuck in this idea that it doesn't look good to have a, a, a wide foot. And um, I made a meme up that for the first 
when you first put on a minimalist shoe, you look down and it looks like a clown's shoe. But within three months, you look at every other shoe and it looks like the pointiest shoe you've ever seen. Like when I walk down the street, I can't believe how everyone else is wearing pointy shoes because <laughs> I'm so used to seeing a wide shoe. So it's all about perspective, yeah. really. And just getting used to it. It's interesting about the basketball yeah. because our, our kids just finished up a basketball season. And I didn't think about it in terms yeah. of sports, but, you know, everyone's got massive clunky shoes. You know, they're so yeah. thick, the ankle's up so high. I can't even really picture, yeah. you know, a kid in a pair of those Vivos or splay shoes. But it yeah. makes sense that they would be more agile and, and their whole body could respond, you know, to what they yeah. are feeling. And part of that, people, so people would say, no, they, they need to jump, they need shock absorption on their feet. Like I explained before, our foot is the ultimate shock absorber. It's built to absorb shock. If you stop it absorbing shock, the shock doesn't go away. It doesn't magically poofed off into the air. It goes to their knee, to their hip, to their lower back. Um, and there's really good research that's um, not just, it's not, um, it's, they don't they don't deny this like mainstream podiatry mainstream shoe companies don't deny this when we cushion the foot it takes load off the foot but puts it at the knee and the hip wow. the foot is meant to is designed to be loaded this way so there's no need to take the load off it just let it do what it's meant to do and then and it's then taking the load and the knee and the hip are taking the loads they're meant to as well Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my Vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessies Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, Transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15%
off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. And so I don't suggest a 25-year-old or 30 or 35-year-old that's been playing basketball for 20 to 40, 20 to 30 years in, a, in, in their Jordans go into a minimalist shoe to play. But I would say, how, how about walking day to day in your minimalist shoes to build up some strength and maybe to shoot around after a couple of months of that, seeing how that goes. And maybe in a year's time, maybe you could do that. But for your seven, eight-year-old that's starting their basketball, um, there is no reason why they just can't switch straight over. They have not got used to that big clunky shoe yet. And you'll see them running faster, more agile, jumping better because actually using their feet to jump. Um, one of the main guys that trains NBA, NBA guys privately, he um, is a big pro. He's really pro barefoot. He wears the Vibram five fingers, you know, those five finger shoes. Mm-hmm. Like he's teaching people to jump out of their skin. And he says, if you're not using the foot, you're missing out basically. Mm-hmm. Wow. And just a lot of ramifications if you're not using your foot, a lot of ramifications in the rest of your body. So um, this is, I think the parents are going to be so fascinated with all of this, Andy. I, um, um, I read a post where you talked about, you know, if your feet are in these different shoes, it's like wearing a cast on your arm and, and they just kind of get stuck. Yeah. Well, we know um, that when we wear a cast on our arm for six weeks, because we broke our arm, when we take that cast off, the arm is withered and stiff. Obviously, a shoe is not as constrictive as a cast, but the principle applies. And it's a, it's a foundational biological principle that if you use part of your body, it responds and gets stronger. If you don't use it, then it gets weaker. Yeah. It's called the said principle, specific adaptation to impose demand. You apply a force, your body responds, gets stronger. If you apply too much, it gets it can break down if you don't apply enough it gets weaker so um you know if your if your foot is designed to take these loads then you should be putting it through them mm-hmm. i know you're going to ask me and before i forget um where people can find because if they go and speak to their local podiatrist or physical physical therapist or chiro more likely physical therapists and chiros and osteopaths will be on board with this but the podiatrist most likely won't be mm-hmm. So there's something called the Healthy Feet Alliance. Um, I've and heard of it. They've got an Instagram page and they've got a website. And um, John Poulter, the guy that um, that owns Splay, he directs it and he's got some help as well. We meet every two weeks. I, I have to do it at 3.30 in the morning because they're not as nice as you, making it good timing for me. <laughs> so once oh, every wow. Wednesday night, I, I go to 3.30 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. <laughs> So every, every second Wednesday night I go to bed early so I can meet with these guys for an hour and there's um, there's chiropractors, physical therapists, podiatrists um, and shoe company owners and they've got a, an approved um, professional professionals um, list and so you can find someone in your area that is aligned with this way of thinking mm-hmm. um, if you're having doubts about just doing it on your own, you know. And But for most kids... You can just say just do it. Like it's pretty simple, and you don't do too much damage either way. Like they're right. very amazing. They're amazingly able little little creatures, kids. But um, but if you are worried, that's the place to go to the Healthy Feet Alliance. The Foot Collective is another one that has a good a good um, background um, in in generally healthy feet stuff. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and soon I'm producing, there's a guy named Ray McClanahan. He, he makes these things called correct toes, which is toe spaces. And he's a doctor of podiatry. He's got a clinic in um, Portland, Oregon. And um, he and I and another doctor, Stephen Buey, he's another podiatrist in the States that runs a full collective and Rena Harris from London, we're coming up with something called Natural Podiatry. It's a curriculum for other podiatrists to learn what we do. We're doing a series of podcasts. There's going to be like 40 topics where we're just talking to each other like you and I are about how we um, manage as natural podiatrists, children, business, um, you know, um, sports, running, all different topics. And so other podiatrists will be able to link in with that series and learn about this because they're, they're out there but we just don't know about them yet. They're all sort of under rocks hiding because <laughs> it's, it's a bit um, taboo. And so if we can make it more normal, um, that's my goal, yeah. to make it more normal that podi- you can go and see the podiatrist down the road and he'll understand or she'll understand what you're talking about when you want to go barefoot more. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome, Andy. I mean, that's fantastic. And and even just from your, um, I've you know, I know about the Healthy Feet Alliance. I've heard of it. Um, I've heard of yeah. the Foot Collective. But me personally, I've connected most with your Instagram and the things that yeah. you are posting. And I feel like it's so pertinent for parents and um, just so much to learn. Uh, real quick, since you brought it up, you brought up the correct toes, which I've seen you post about those yeah. that kind of like spread the toes out. So what are those? Yeah. Um. So I've got a couple of different types here. So the Foot Collective make these ones called Wild Toes. Um, oh, they're upside down, Wild Toes. And they are a um, they're a, a silicon thing. You can pick up something, they're like $25, and you wear them between your toes to help display because most people are like this now, so we need to get like that. And so mm-hmm. these are for that. You can pick up really cheap ones on eBay, but they don't last so long. These are a bit better quality. Um, these are more of a what I would call um, – like stationary thing, like maybe walking around home, sitting on the couch, just like trying to stretch your feet out because all the muscles within our feet, we've got a huge amount of muscles in our feet um, and connective tissues and they get squished. And so that's kind of stretching them out. And it really does feel that they're quite aggressive, those ones, um, but not too expensive. Um, and then these other ones, correct toes. This is what Ray's come up with. Through him, and he's been doing, like I've been doing this for like four years. Ray's been doing this for like 25 years. He's all on his own and I just um, just think, wow, he must be so excited because suddenly there's this new energy for this. But he stuck to his guns. Um, he came up with this product called Correct Toes and so that's not dissimilar to this but it's a lot gen- more gentle. It's got like um, it, it's firmer. It lasts a lot longer. It costs a lot more but um, mm-hmm. you can wear it in shoes better. It's more functional. So I, I, I usually send people to get these. But sometimes these, depending on what the problem is, like it's a prescription type thing, you know, but you can just buy them. If you want the cheaper version to try it out, sit on the couch, those ones, um, more functional ones, these ones. Um, And so and he's a really good example of what podiatry could be. Like He's got a a big clinic where people come in. He's got a shoe store alongside that clinic um, so people can buy the shoes. They can get their toe spaces. They can see, they can um, learn how to run, you know, like with different techniques. So, um, that's what podiatry can be. It doesn't have to be orthotics and surgery. Like there, there, there's a few of us out there that are doing it in a different way and still making a living and still, and, and it's aligning with the way we want to work, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that you're very, um, you're, you're greatly improving the quality of life for people. You know, if it's helping their knees and it's helping their hips and it's helping their posture, it's helping their children, you know, um, yeah, it's encouraging movement. I mean, it's it's the whole picture there. So, um, yeah, this, 
these are great resources, Andy. Thanks. This lady I just had here today um, with her son, a 17-year-old, he's going to go and buy some different shoes and slowly wean himself out of his orthotic. Like, they're intelligent people. I don't need to hold their hand doing that. And she's like, oh, so when do we come back? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I might have to see you in a month's time because you come across something that's causing a problem or it might be in six months' time or you might just do this just fine. But I'm not going to make an appointment for you that I don't know is going to happen. And so when I say things like this, I'll also explain, just use me as a resource. You might have a question tomorrow. Just ask me a question. You, know, like, you don't have to make an appointment for one question. This is, un, this is unheard of in, in health. To, to equip someone with education to look after themselves, safe in the knowledge that they'll tell their friends and I'll get business out of that. Do you know what I mean? Because they've had a good experience. I don't need to right. get 10 consultations out of a new patient. I um, I need to equip them with knowledge to look after themselves. And so that's why it aligns well with me. It's, it does sound, it sounds all rosy. It's not always rosy. In fact, when in, in the clinic, it's hardly ever rosy. It's people with problems and, and chronic pain um, and it's a long, slow process. And I get them back because they, I need to make sure they're doing the right thing and, and keeping them accountable. But um, some you don't need to, and, and over-servicing is definitely um, not, not ideal. Like my goal is to equip people to look after themselves. So they never went into the shoe that caused the problem in the first place. Never equipped themselves without even um, having to change. That's, that's, what, that's where my passion is for children, and that's why it's great to talk to you because of your audience. Um, for children to be able to never go into the shoe that stuffs things up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what a beautiful picture of healthcare, yeah. because that truly is. It's whole healthcare. It's what you're doing as well. Like, you, like I, I've done the math. Twenty hours outside a week is a lot for children, and it's not. And then I think about my own kids. They're in um, in high school, so I don't know what is there. But um, at, at twelve and fourteen, they have to walk to and from school. So there's an hour straight away, um, because they're walking to and from school. My son complains, especially if he's got to take his guitar that day because he's got his bag and his guitar. And I'm like, you know what? That's just making him resilient. He doesn't have to go to the gym because he's carrying, he's doing a loaded carry for an hour, an hour or twice a week. There's an hour a day straight away. Um, and, and then I, 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 you know, so what you do has made me super conscious of even ourselves, you know, like it shouldn't be just about our kids. We should all be outside. And it's about, Example, like I have families come in and they're like, oh, my kid needs orthotics. I'm like, oh, actually, do they just need to get them climbing, hiking, doing all these different things? Like, do you do that on the weekend? What do you guys do on the weekend? Oh, you know, I work and my, and this, and, and what do your kids do? Oh, they're sitting, you know, like you have to, as a family, do it. It becomes what they're, there's no negotiation. It's not like get outside, kids. It's like we're going outside to do something. Yeah, that's how we do it. Trying to get our whole family for a thousand hours in a year. And it really, like you know we talked about it. it's a whole health benefit mood and brain function and all of the different things yeah. so um so andy i know you've got clients this was right in the middle of your work day um thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, we always end this podcast with um, a favorite outdoor memory of yours from childhood so do you have one that you can share a memory from my childhood yeah outdoors um, sorry uh yeah ah oh. I used to get dinked on my dad's bike. Do you know what dinked is? Sitting on the front on, on the um, to get to kinder. Oh, like I remember, like I think of that was a, a good, a really good memory. But we'd also do this thing, my dad's English, and we'd do this thing called scrumping. It's S-C-R-U-M-P-I-N-G, which means stealing fruit. 
and we would um, <laughs> go out. He would either set us up, like he would he would go and park the car near a house with a lot of fruit and we'd be like, go and knock on the door and say, excuse me, can we have some of your plums or something? And he'd be around the corner and we'd be there picking the fruit. Or we'd go out with these big long poles with a hook on the end and the blackberry bushes and we'd be there pulling these and get because we didn't want to get prickles. And so we were like in, in our summer, every summer, we were spending a lot of time either stealing or picking fruit that we weren't paying for. <laughs> <laughs> Well, those are such awesome memories and facilitates movement. Definitely, definitely food, like, you know, natural food harvest facilitates all sorts of different movements. You're bending down, you're reaching up for apples. That's so awesome. Well, Andy, I really appreciate it. If people want to find you on Instagram or um, your clinic, where can they find you? um, My Instagram is called Andy Bryant underscore podiatrist. And um, that's, that's got clinic and all that type of stuff and I do do online consultations but mostly I'll send you to the Healthy Feet Alliance because seeing someone in person in real life is far better than what we do online but I do online consults every week still because um, the maybe the alliance hasn't spread its wings enough just yet um, so I, I do offer those services but um, yeah just through my Instagram is the easiest way to contact me. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your workday to do this. Uh, At least it wasn't 3.30 in the morning, but I know that's a big sacrifice for you. So I hope you have a great rest of the workday. And uh, Andy, thank you so much. And thank you for staying up late for me, Jenny. I love your work. Thank you. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.